0: Join the guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting MaxLawEvents.com.
1: Run your law firm
2: the right way. The right way. This is the Maximum Lawyer podcast. podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maxim Podcast. I'm Jim Hackey. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy? Well, we got a special episode today, a broadcast from 2018, a blast from the past. Our buddy Seth J. Price from Blue Shark Digital. Is Nalini on the call as well, Tyson?
3: Yep. Nalini Nalini Prasad is also presenting. Let, let's be honest, between the two of them, she's the rock star. So yeah, she's on there as well.
2: Yeah. And so they're going to be giving you some SEO tips. We think there's a lot of good nuggets in here. So enjoy the show.
3: Yeah, and I'll even say this. Even though it's from 2018, there's still a lot of good information that's still useful today. So make sure you give it a listen. So, so when talking to this this crowd here, there are so many varied practice areas, stages that people are at. And I know tomorrow or later today when we do the panel, we could talk more about like scaling and some of those techniques. But since I have your attention, and since this has been my passion and what we've created a digital agency doing, What I'm going to try to do in 45 minutes, which is a tall order, is try to go through the world of of digital, trying to give you my two cents and our two cents on the different facets to figure out what may be right for a particular practice, what's right for you, what may not be, get some takeaways here. If there's a checks and balances of things to bring back to whoever's doing it, your own shop to say, Hey, are we doing this? If I've accomplished that, then then I've done my job. So without further ado, I'm going to start this sort of rapid fire paper click right? It's a necessary evil. Google AdWords is the majority of what we're talking about in the pay-per-click world. You know, everything that Google's doing to get its stock price up has been to make the real estate for paid ads that much greater. And what you're seeing right now is this is a great example. We now see four ads at the top of every Google result page so that even if we poo poo it, even if we're like, Hey, we're hardcore organic, we get better ROI. It's something that Google keeps digging further and further into and something that is really easy to spend a lot of money and not necessarily get ROI. The great thing about pay-per-click is it's a spigot. You can turn it off and on, but there are a couple of elements with it that I just want to highlight that I think are super important and not often focused on. So when you're doing your ad campaign, there are a number of factors like negative keywords, making sure that what you don't want is focused on and that Google can eliminate those search results. That's really, really important. But the piece that will make or break a campaign often, trying to get ROI from pay-per-click, is quality score. So if you take Google at its word, besides making money, the thing they want is good, high-quality results for their users. That's why people return to Google. And so what they've done is they've created a system where they reward you based on how closely your ad and the content it lands on matches the person's inquiry. So that the more you create content, that matches the long tail searches that you're going for, the money terms you're going for, the less you're going to pay for clicks and the better chance you're going to get ROI. And so one of the pieces that I sort of say to you is for many people out here, I'll give you the worst example would be if somebody's buying your name, a competitor's buying your name. Google's saying, hey, look, this guy's going to put a, get, buy a click for something that's completely unrelevant to, the, to that search. You don't have anything on their site about you. And so they're going to jack the price up. Whereas if you buy your own name and it's your site and you're the most relevant answer, they're gonna make it a lot cheaper. So just a takeaway from that. With pay-per-click, the next most important piece in my opinion is figuring out how to use all the bells and whistles. You can do call-out extensions, you can do social extensions, review extensions, and it basically, These are places and give people an opportunity. Google likes it because it's more clicks, which means more revenue for them. But for you, when you want to stand out, having an ad that isn't just a single line or two, but with all of these different bells and whistles and links really goes a long way and gives you the opportunity to take up more real estate. Social media. (laughs) So in social media, look, there are people here, Mitch and others, who have used social media to build a tribe, to build a following. It is great. I would call, the piece, and, piece I caution against is if you're doing genuine social media, if you're like Annika and you're giving away bikes, or if you're like Mitch and you have people following your video, great. But the idea of buying a social media package, I think is one of the sort of like those trigger areas to just be careful of. To me, and I'll talk about it on the next slide, there are plenty of positives of social. I'm not trying to say they're not and they're SEO positives, but it is a pay to play service for the most part. Again, if you as a person have your own following, great. But the idea that on your business page, unless you're paying to boost it, very few, if any, people are going to see your posts. So one of the people often come to us at our agency and say, hey, will you sell me, will you do social for me? I'm like, no. We'll set you up on Facebook, we'll make sure the links are coming from LinkedIn, and you know, Instagram and all these places, but the idea is if you want visibility there through the commercial channels, Google, uh, Facebook and others are gonna make you pay for it. There are exceptions to everything, but generally, if you're not doing it yourself and building a following and building a brand, the idea of just posting things randomly, my recommendation is to use low dollar labor to make sure your Facebook is covered with community events, but not to attempt to pretend that posting stuff to your Facebook account, your commercial Facebook account, your firm Facebook account, is gonna make you money. It is a pay-to-play situation, and that if you don't look at it that way, that you're that it's gonna put you in peril, and put money and resources that could be used, whether it could be paid or towards organic, that could be used for marketing effectively, that you feel you're checking a box when you don't really get ROI. Is that So, okay, enough about that. The place that we really have sort of differentiated ourselves, both as a firm, as an agency, has been SEO. You know, As I mentioned, the game of SEO has gotten harder in that we have four paid ads before a three-pack, and in doing so, it means that it's no longer good enough just to be on the first page of Google. If you want to have meaningful return and meaningful search traffic, you really want to be towards the top. I mean, it's not easy to do, but my point is that what used to be okay being in position seven, eight, or nine really doesn't even get visibility anymore based on how Google has changed things. So there are four areas of, of SEO I mentioned on the first slide, content, links, which Nalini runs at our, at our agency, the technical side, and local. And they're easy to sort of mention, but it's the execution of these things. If you execute in these four areas, you will find success. And when somebody comes to me and says, hey, why am I not ranking? Why is not something happening? You turn back to these four different areas and you will find. There are some people in this room who have done a ridiculous job of ranking and making money using just content. There are there are different ways to be successful at it, but these are the components used in you know in dare in differing ways that will make get the results that most of you are looking for. So content, okay? Content and is something that right now Google tells you it's content and links and content creating unique information Looking to find things that are not just your money term, whether it be St. Louis immigration lawyer, that's great. You want to own that. But if you're able to get those long tail searches through content and through localization, talking about the areas, both the types of cases you want and where you want the cases, that's sort of the step one of content, going local in content. And this is where you go beyond, it's not just that you have a state level page, but which counties do you want? Which cities do you want? It's a little bit of a fiction because as you probably know, Google does not allow you just to copy and paste the same page and change the county. That's a no-no. Don't do it. Duplicate content. But what they do allow you to do is to create unique content for each of those places. And as you do that, and as you find those nuances, whether it be the judges, how, you know, what type of uh, geography it is, roads, accents, whatever it is, if you can localize the content in some meaningful way, that will give you a a distinct advantage over people that don't. Sophisticated content. Google is getting more and more apt at telling what is good content what is not. The days of anybody is getting content from overseas, stop it. And if you have it on your site, work to start it, replace it. Google knows what's written by a native English speaker and it is looking for more and more sophisticated content. And that the, if you could see this from the patents that they're filing, that Google is able to tell what is crap and what's not. And so just like you might go through and do any sort of cleanup in your business in your life, whatever it is that needs to be done. When we take over a new client, we triage the current site's content, check plus check, check minus what's great for today, what needs a little bit of improvement, and what's either just not well written or too short. You know, we want to make sure that there's no reason that Google is not loving the site and what they're seeing on there. And this is where everybody in this room, and I think what I've seen from the podcast is we have a lot of experts in this room. And if you leverage what you know and get it onto the page, whether it's through blogging, whether it's through video, transcribing your videos, transcribing your podcasts, if you're able to get the actual knowledge that's in your noggin onto the page, it's so far beyond what you're gonna get from legal writers that are paid to do this. We believe we use plenty of legal writers. A lot of them are JDs in their bathrobes sitting at home with young kids. But if you're able to get your industry-specific knowledge onto the page, it really can revolutionize what's going on. And I guess we talked a little bit, Mitch mentioned blogging earlier today. You know, blogging is one of those things. If you love to write and you can create a niche or a following, great. But if you're doing this just to do regurgitated news because you knew there was an accident on a highway nearby. Again, there are exceptions to every rule. And if you're doing this with purpose, whether it be newsjacking or otherwise, and you're able to either get massive traffic and or try to land a client, great. But if you're doing it because an agency says, yes, we're gonna sell you two blogs a month, To me, the the regurgitated news is a thing of the past. We eliminated all of our old blog posts It killed me. We paid a lot of money for those, but we went back with real content. If you're gonna spend the time and effort to pay for content, making sure that it's not regurgitated news, what I call evergreen content, something that every time somebody lands on that page, it's a potential client, that's the ideal. So that instead of having something that's interesting, with the exception being massive traffic, But if you can't get massive traffic, it can't get to that level. The idea is to focus on things that you pay a lot of money for pay-per-click. We just talked about that, right? So people in competitive markets, 80 to $120 a click is not unusual in heavy PI markets. But if you're able to create content and get one click from it, it shows you the economics if you can get those pages to rank. And this is where, you know, taking it to the final level, which is sort of the jumping point between content and link building, which is if you can become a thought leader, if you get yourself to the point where you're thought of as somebody that people want to use as a resource, that's sort of the home run because then you're creating high quality content, Google likes it, the readers like it, and you're getting inbound links. And that's when you're doing sort of the 360. So this is a benefit of high quality content, which is if you're writing stuff that is directly answering questions that are asked, Google is starting to extract that content and using it in search results. Melina, you want to talk to this for a second?
1: Yeah. So generally in technical SEO, what you would see when you Google something is a small snippet, which you see at the bottom. It's a... Character limited. It's your meta description. But now, the richer your content is, Google's actually crawling that and replacing that in the search. So what you see above is actually content from the website. And that's really nice. That's just rich content.
3: An extra conversion factor when people are searching. There is not a magic way to get this, but if you write exactly what Google is looking for in answer to a question, they will take that text and then put it in your search results so that somebody who's doing the search says, here's the information I'm looking for, and it's right there. Featured Rich Snippets, I'll let Melina continue.
1: So, uh, going along the lines of that content that's rich that Google is crawling, one of the things that you're seeing at the top of the search engine now on that page is really good information that Google is calling the number one answer to your search. Um, There's a couple of different examples that you'll see. You can see that there's answer boxes, you'll see that there are videos, and then there's also these questions. If you're putting your content into your website to mimic these kinds of answers, you're gonna have a better chance of actually showing up at the top of even the ads.
3: Very high level, I mean this is, it t- A, takes, a lot of hard work and some luck, but this is sort of the brass ring. If you're able to get to the point where you're providing an answer and as we move to voice church where they're looking for a single answer, this is sort of what everybody's focusing on. And can we give a direct answer that Google could show as the definitive answer for the question? It's Google has to find you. So that's what I'm saying. It takes a little bit of luck and there's schema we'll talk about in a minute. There are different signals that you can give. So you can't just raise your hand and say, hey, please take this. But if you're raising the bar and giving high quality information, when you get it, it's awesome.
1: And the foundation has to be there that Google is already saying that your site is an authoritative site. right? So you have to be showing up on the first page to be considered for this as well.
3: Can you
2: talk more specifically about this? And let's say that you have a client and you want to try to achieve this. What specifically would you do to try to create content that might achieve this sort of result? you know, what kind of research tools would you use or how would you approach it specifically?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Kind of the method that was just discussed, right? So if you're an authoritative site, you first have to be there. Google has to understand that you have the sophistication in your content and that you're an expert, right? So now you're there. At that point, once you want to get to the next level, you want to look at what is being used as the featured rich snippet. You want to see what site is being used. You want to see how they're using that content. You want to be typing in different strings and questions to see what's coming up. So you're basically doing a SERP engine result, right? You're, you're testing the SERP. Um, you don't necessarily have to use tools for that particular item, right? But if you're looking into Moz or Ahrefs, you can see the authority of certain sites, um, you can figure out what they're doing as well with their content from those kinds of tools. But essentially, I would do more of what was just discussed, and, and just uh, research.
3: I right, understand this is sort of what we're aspiring to. This does not happen every day, yes. no, but, absolutely. Right, <laughs> but but I'm just trying to say, hey, this is, you know, you have an aspiration. This is the top of the mountain if you can get to it.
1: It's just that next level.
3: You mentioned speech and how uh, there's a lot of people trying to to get on the Alexa kind of what's the answer to the question. Does Google Home, like, is Google working on a similar type of thing where you can... Yes, so Google has the Home device, and it's pulling off of this, correct. So everything we're talking about here, Alexa's winning the race, but they're not with Google. Yeah. So assuming that at some point Google figures out how to win this race, because you don't get rich betting against Google, that at some point, like, if anybody with a Pixel, anybody with a Droid here, knows the voice search is just incredible. The Pixel's gotten to the point where I rarely type. And the, you know, if you get to the point on the home device, the conventional thinking right now is they're looking to try to give an answer. And if you can somehow figure that out, how you can give that best answer, it's gonna be harder for an injury money term, but for more eclectic terms, it's something that's definitely achievable and that you, if you're fighting for that, it's something that we've been continuously trying to figure out how to table. Thanks. So we will now move from the it would, this is now, we'll jump fully into technical SEO and uh, Nalini, but it's sort of this is, we're starting with sort of the basics that need to be done and we'll move from there into the more advanced.
2: Thanks to our sponsor, Smith AI. Smith AI is a superior receptionist service for law firms trusted by many maximum lawyers, including me. At my immigration practice, the hacking law practice, Smith's friendly U.S.-based receptionists respond to potential clients in English or Spanish, screen and schedule new leads, and even take payment for our consults. The best part is that they don't just handle these conversations by phone. They also have live agents and chatbots capturing leads on our website through their chat widget. They serve as our friendly gatekeepers while my team and I work uninterrupted. We get new clients and we get work done. How awesome is that? If you're in a solo or small firm, I know you'll appreciate this. Plants start at just $70 a month for calls and $100 a month for chats. They even offer a totally free chatbot, so there's no excuse. Try Smith AI today and see for yourself why attorneys like me say Smith AI receptionists are the secret to business growth. Smith AI offers a free trial and maximum lawyer listeners get an extra $100 discount with promo code MAXLAW100. That's maxlaw A W ONE ZERO ZERO. Sign up and learn more at www.smith.ai. Trust me when I say don't let another day go by. Try Smith AI.
1: So this is more of your coding guys who are doing work on the back end of your website. This is actually going to help your question of understanding how Google was filling in the search result. When you're filling in each page, you're doing very simple things like adding a title tag, adding a meta description. So a title tag is also character limited. It's telling you what the page is about. Google's reading that to understand what should be on that page. If the content matches, that's how you're building your authority and content. The meta description is a little bit longer, and that is what you actually see in the search. So when you Google something and you see the results, you'll see one line to a sentence. That's what we had the picture of. Because Google is now rewarding you for having richer content as they're able to say, this answers the question so much better, Google is not putting the meta description that you've created in your back end of your website. It's actually taking direct content and a longer snippet of your website. So two to three sentences, which means people have more information as they're reading that search engine page and they're more likely to click. So this is where the conversion's helping. You're putting these things into your backend because you need them there in case your content's not rich enough, but then Google is also helping by filling these in with the better content. The meta description is automatically populated with like the first few lines of whatever you were writing in your piece. Yes. So And we need to make sure we change that Absolutely. From so, something. So that's, like, sometimes if you are posting a page and you automatically see that meta description, just remember, like, don't go with what WordPress automatically Unless, I mean,
3: Unless you love it. Right. Right, right. right, right. Just, but, yes.
1: But there, how many times is the first sentence yes. of your page actually what the whole page is about, right? You can right. probably optimize that better. And what Anika's talking about, too, is if you're using a plug-in on your back end, um, where you're not doing it in coding yourself. So sometimes people use coding, and it automatically fills in, as she's saying both title tag and meta description. A lot of things are filled in for you, and it is important to go back and definitely check
3: that. And I'm gonna take it back a step. For those of you who are like, wow, we're blowing your minds, this is, but if, so title tag, it's been around forever, it's a limited number of characters. That is something, if you, let's say you're doing it yourself, you bought a Wix site, that is the place where you get to say to Google, this is what a page is about, definitively. You're allowed to spam there. Meaning, not repeat the same word over and over again, but you're allowed to say these are the words I wanna be found for. And it's amazing how I'm friends with three guys, three of the most successful lawyers in the country did a joint venture and they paid mid six figures for a website and I looked at it and the title tag was the name of their firm on every page. It was insane. This was a couple of years ago. And the point is that it's a basic fundamental, it's easy to change and that if you, the firm is gonna be found. You don't need to optimize for your firm name this is your chance to say, hey, Google, this is what this page is about. 101, it needs to be there. And just if you're doing this yourself and you're like, hey, what could I do when I get home to make sure, is go through the title tags of your site very easy and quick, especially if you have a plugin, and make sure it reflects what you want to be found for. So there's but, only
1: one title tag that you can have. Um, it should be different for every site, that's what I was going to say. Every page. Every page, sorry. If you were to use the same exact title tag for every single page, Google is going to think that every single page is the same, right? That's If Bad. it's thinking it's a human. Right. That's why you want it to be different. Another just quick tip is where does the title tag appear, right? Is this only in the back end of a website? No. So when you open a new tab in a browser and you hover over the tab, you'll see a short snippet of what that page is about. That's your title tag. That's where it's appearing. Right, as we just dis- discussed, the meta description actually shows up and you're reading that. The title tag doesn't show up very obviously, but it's, it's for Google, and it's there for you, too, to understand what that page is on. Right? And then head- head- headings, H1s and H2s, yes, those are important as well because that is being crawled by Google, but those are things that are not going to show up in the search. Right, That's just for the technical back end of it.
3: And there's, there's some, some theories like it doesn't matter as much anymore. I think it's still best practices to leave them in. Anything else? You want to talk schema for a second
1: yep so schema is essentially structured data that's in the back end of your website as well it's certain coding that you can say here's where the location of my office is here is a social icon that i'm putting here so you're putting actual language regular english into your coding so that google can crawl it easily and know where exactly on your page items are
3: it's language that google is asking you to use to give them information I'm not expecting people here to understand it. I'm not, you know, it's it is something that if it's not being used for you, that's a problem and it's something that you should continue to look at and focus on because as reviews become more important, it's a way to say, "Hey Google, here's a review for this page that's relevant. Here's the location. You're interfacing with Google in a way that they want you to." And when Google wants you to do something, you should be following their lead.
1: And this is the one topic that I would say leave it to the experts, right? Because it's very technical. Um, and not something that you normally will look into or try to do yourself on your back. Absolutely. So structured data, this is just what we talked about. It's schema.org. Some of you maybe heard that's the exact language that Google wants you to use. And then these are just rich snippets that you can see that occur as a result of you putting in that information in your backend. Google's able to know exactly where you're located or what your menu is on your website. So here you'll see this is a menu-rich example. So when you look something up, you're seeing every single clickable item that's on our menu which is cool because that's not for every single one. You could pull up a page, this one has links, and the other five results don't. makes it more appealing. Somebody might want to just click.
3: Again, more real estate, better.
1: More conversion. All right, so as we talked about content, the biggest takeaway, right, is that it needs to be sophisticated. It needs to be that you're the expert, and you always hear the phrase, you want an authoritative site. That's how Google is going to rank. You need content in order for your links to work. Links are only as good as your content. If I was to use an analogy, let's take it back to high school. Right? You have great content, you're a great personality, people like you, but now we need other people to talk about you to endorse you. That's what link building is. It's not that you have to have it, but it helps Google understand that your content is not just an expert, but other people think you're an expert. The better the people are that are talking about you and endorsing you, the more authoritative you become to Google. So that's number one is you want to be on the best websites, the most authoritative websites. You want to be linking back from them. Um, If we're gonna talk about a couple examples, resource pages are great to help you become an authority. You also could be linked as a resource from other pages. Use your network, people that know you in the community, anybody that you would link for, they can link back for you. As we talked about local, something that Seth mentioned earlier was now there's pay to play, there's ads, they're taking up a big part of the top fold of your search. The next best thing is your local three pack. One of the ways that you can also optimize in terms of getting in that local three-pack is by building local links. That means that you're going to engage in your community, people who have the same city as you in their footer. The more sites you're on that share that same city, the more that Google is saying that you are now authoritative in your community as well. And that's so, how you can write there. So
3: historically, like for a while, links didn't matter. You just wanted the more the merrier. Google has made it clear authoritative links much much better one from cnn better than a bunch of crappy nonsense links however the one exception where you're looking at domain authority or however you're judging the quality of those links is that if you're able to get local links we feel that demonstrating that local universe to Google, particularly for showing that you're a a player in the community, is an exception to hyper-authoritative links if it's demonstrating that you're part of that local, local ecosystem.
1: And the examples of that that we have here are you could do a food drive, a clothes drive, a school drive, and what you're essentially doing is asking community members to share that information on their website to have people come by your office and drop off some clothes or some school supplies. What's happening with that content is that they'll paste that this event's happening and then for more information, click here. It's gonna take it back to your homepage to talk about that event. And that's where you're getting that link used locally. Um, thinking outside the box, right? Because we're not just building any kind of link. We're just throwing them out there because they're not gonna help you right now. So when we say that links are good, let's do some thinking. let's try some new things. Infographics are one that we're pretty hot. There's lots of places to go with that. But again, your infographic is only going to be linked if you have good content that content has to come from the expert. So if you don't have the good content, who's gonna say, yeah, I'll throw that up on my website? No, they'll say none of this makes sense. The better your content, the better you have chances of links. Podcast is one that I chose to put on here because we're obviously at Maximal Lawyer, but it's also a pretty new and fun link project. There are a lot of different sites out there that will give you a link back to every single episode. So you're not just sharing the fact that you have one podcast, but every time you put out a new podcast, that's more new, relevant content. Use it on these sites.
3: And if you're know, if you not already, in theory at some point, Google, if it doesn't already, can listen to your podcast and get the words out of it. But my feeling is if you spent that much time getting it transcribed, getting it as an additional search feature, getting the pages on your website up, you've already spent all this effort, a number of different options for doing that, and it just seems like a nominal extra amount of effort to bring additional
1: gravitas to the site. Ahrefs is one of the tools that we use to look at backlinks to see what other competitors are doing. You can also test, use it to test your website and see how that's doing. It's also a good way to see if your link profile is fresh. So links will come down once an event is over and maybe you have to go back and write a blog about the winner or something that will keep that link fresh. You just want to make sure that you're making sure there's a constant flow
3: of links. And look, this is, when, when people come and say, hey, how, how are we doing? You know, there, there are a number of different sources for getting the actual backlinks to your site, but whichever one you use, and Ahrefs is one of the good ones, the question is, what's being done? And so you don't want to, like, spike links, say, hey, today I'm going to start, I'm coming back, I'm going to do tons of links tomorrow, and you get a spike of of 50 links, and then you don't do anything for the next six months. The idea is to make it natural, have it over time, but whatever you're doing, when somebody says, hey, why am I not ranking for something, it's generally because nobody's built any backlinks to your site or to the pages you care about, and that's, as you to follow Nalini's analogy, is you're a great person, but if you want other people to know that, somebody else has to stand up and say it, and I would say that, more often than not, that is one of those things that gets neglected. It is something that you don't want to be so, it's sort of like the stock market. You don't want to look at it every day, but if you are checking it monthly to see where are you, how are things evolving, are you getting what you want, and what are your competitors doing, this is the sort of, the tool, one of the tools you can use to make sure that you're staying competitive.
1: And I guess when you're in the race for homecoming king, right, you need the most votes. So, maybe five people have linked and talked about you and said you're good, but your competitor has seven. Who's going to win that? Who's going to be number four and who's going to be number five, right? So you're always wanting to stay
3: up ahead of the game. And so if you are, if you are having trouble and you're like, Hey, I want to catch this guy. One way is to look, say, Hey, where where are they getting their stuff from? Because you already have your own stuff. If you can add a few from that and so reverse engineering competitors is an awesome way just to see, Hey, what other opportunities are out there that are working for them that could help me boost myself. Great local search. Sure, so local search is, the we're talking about the three-pack. It's changed names over the years, it's changed, it's gone from Google Plus and Google Places to Google My Business is the current interface that you're, you're viewing. And the success of getting into the three-pack is this combination of both the organic that we've just talked about, the content and links, as well as this separate local algorithm that's taking into account local signals. One of the main ones being the name, address, and phone number, your citation. Call it a NAP for name, address, and phone number. The key here is to let and make sure Google knows clearly and definitively who you are, what your name is, where you're located, and what your phone number is. So if you've changed names, kicked out a partner, if you've moved offices, or you've changed phone numbers, Each of these things can be problematic if not handled properly, and there's a whole process. There are third-party tools, I think we'll mention in a second, but at the end of the day, those will get you so far, but as people continue to use Yext and and Moz Local, the question is, what else can be done beyond them? Because as competitors start start to use those, you wanna make sure you're not just doing the basics, but you're finding citations that are relevant. Better Business Bureau is a great one, which is, it's a pay-to-play, but it's great for both conversion and trust of potential clients but it's also just a great citation that's showing google i'm in the local ecosystem here is a name address and phone number from a trusted place
1: and i think that this this last one i just want to bring that to everyone's attention as we've been saying right the authority of your website is what essentially gets you on that first page before you can go to the next level with all of these little things that we're talking about so when we give the suggestions of here you can do this you can do that you have to first be in the game you first have to be on the
3: first page. Right. I mean, there's you, there are a couple of reasons that that could happen. I mean, again, it's not a perfect back and forth, but generally it's close. One of the reasons you could do it is you can currently still spam if you put magic words, you know, in there. If you're a St. Louis immigration lawyer and you call your firm the St. Louis Immigration Law Firm, you're going to have a huge advantage for those searches. If you're able to bulletproof it with trade names and things like that, it may stick. If you're in more competitive PI markets, it's gonna be a cat and mouse game where people try to take it down all the time. So the answer is generally when we see something which has no SEO presence, it's the spammy anchor text in them that currently still works. I used to see more of that. I I haven't seen it for our, our cases recently, but again, we've focused a lot on that ass SEO. But historically, there was a point where, like, yes, if you got in the map, you might not be the first one in organic. I've in, in our in our world generally seen it that you're in if you have the top organic, and that they're they're going to let you in both. But again, they change their minds on a regular basis. So, look, this is a, one of the things that has been a frustration, and for any of you in shared office suites, that Google has done recently, is they have. Been, they've created something the local algorithm to only allow one lawyer doing one type of law in one location. So, God forbid you're the third criminal lawyer in an office building or, or the fourth immigration person. So, that, a couple factors here. One, when you do, if you are choosing a place, looking to see who else is in the building, because right now that's a factor, knowing that it's there. There are some workarounds that on the back end that could potentially pop you in, but the default right now is not to allow multiple people at the same address to show for the same type of law. It's frustrating because if there's a place across from the courthouse everyone wants to be, but that is the current lay of the land for Google, yes. Now, if you are, a, there's, we're working on stuff and we've seen that moving the pin on the map on the back end can get around that, but you know, Suite Number would prevent you from being a duplicate listing. They're not gonna confuse you necessarily, but that right now over the last, I think it's six months or so, we've been seeing the algorithm has only allowed one, and the way you could sort of tell is if, you, if you're if you not there and then you zoom in on the map and you see a bunch of people and all of a sudden the person is there, if you zoom in, that's the, the filter that we've been seeing. In theory, it's being used to prevent fraud, but I think it more likely is just frustrating lawyers who are in clustered downtown locations. And again, some jiggling can break it free but it's definitely, if you don't do anything about it, it will filter out somebody who's not number one at a single location. So we're gonna spend a couple minutes. The Google My Business is the interface that you have for the information in the three-pack. Over the last six months, Google has dumped a bunch of new bells and whistles. They're free. They're not necessarily SEO or gonna get you into the three-pack, but they're conversion pieces, and at some point they could be part of the Actual optimization, but I'll let Nalini walk through them.
1: Yeah, so Google My Business recently has come out with so many new features. The reason behind keeping up with the features, honestly, is because the more you keep up with it, the more Google sees that you're active, and when they roll out new features, you're going to be one of the first people to get to put more information in there. This is really conversion, so the prettier your Google My Business looks, the more information that's there, the more understanding the person has of what your practice area is, the more likely they are to click on that. google my business essentially is just your profile that google understands who you are so the more information you can put on there the better for them to also be able to give you authority so going right into it posts is one your posts are shown right here on your google my business they expire after seven days automatically so it's Kind of time sensitive and you have to put in some time to to put that information there. But that's a good place to put any event that's coming up. That's a great place to put any kind of sales or deals that you have. Not really for this industry. Or what's really cool is putting some facts and tidbits. DUIs can get you X number of years in X date. That's pretty interesting to some people. They'll just read. It. And then you have a link there that goes to any page you want it to go to on your website. Messaging. This is a good one and I think a lot of people have set this up. But essentially, your messaging is that on mobile, people can message you directly. It will go to a cell phone, so it has to be connected to a cell phone. One thing there is that you can use CallRail. This is a new feature, if some of you use that. The only thing is that with CallRail, you have to do it within an app on CallRail on your phone. You're not going to get these messages directly to your phone. So you want to be careful if you do that. Additionally, you want to be careful with the phone number that you get. It needs to be somebody that's going to respond very quickly. You don't want to have it be a call center if nobody's going to answer there because it will actually show up how often you respond down to this person responds in 13 hours. This person responds within five minutes. Uh, Business descriptions is something that was there in the past and has come back. This is gonna show right at the very top of your Google My Business and it just gives people more information. There's a 750 character limit. It's very new, last couple months, so if you don't have one, it's an easy update. It's an easy way to add more to your profile. Multiple phone numbers is another good way that people can now use their call rail number. If you're gonna do that, you want to use the primary phone number as your call rail number, and then you can put your additional office numbers. The only one that will show up.
3: Well, I was gonna just say, taking a step back, if we did this before this feature was here, you had a choice, you either used your phone number and you would use a tracking number at your peril, unless it was a dynamically generated number through something that comes up only when a certain page is shown. But again, a couple uses for this. One is if you have a primary tracking number and you wanna be able to let Google know this is me so they're not confused, and then the second piece would be if you've moved or you lost the number and a partnership change, whatever, it's a way to be able to combine things. It's brand new, so we haven't, it's not, we don't see a history with it yet, but it's exciting, and Google's finally saying, hey, we get that there may be more than one phone number, and we're not going to get confused because you're going to tell us what they are.
1: Yes. And in addition, I don't know how many of you play in the back end of Google My Business, but there's a part that's insight, and it used to give you information for up to two weeks, but it would, reset so you would only ever have research for two weeks. Like Seth said, if you have a tracking number, you can go into your own program and you can see all of the history of it from months ago. So it's it's much better than insight data and it's recommended. These are where we were talking about
3: just y- y- X and Moz we already yep. talked about that. And since I think Yes.
2: What's the uh, stuff coming out every month where they're showing you photos and the number of people who are viewing your photos and I've been seeing that come, you know, they send it to your email every, what are you supposed
3: to be? Right. Google has failed with their local, right? They, they tried, you were part of the whole Google plus hangouts world, you know, before we had Facebook live, people were spending tons of time, but it really never, I think had better technology than Facebook, but it never got, in They're trying to get people just like Yelp and others. They want you to start interacting with your local profile. When people leave reviews, they're now sending you a reminder about how many times it's been engaged in. They're trying to make it a central place of engagement. The longer you stay on Google, the more money they make. And this is all part of their master plan to make Google My Business the interface and have people adding reviews and interacting and messaging through it and setting appointments through it. They want that to be your place and they're just reminding you, hey, we're here.
2: Could I follow up on that? Have you guys been doing anything with the posts now that they let you put posts up through Google My Business? for, I think they keep seven, it up like 30 seven, days or seven seven, days. whatever. Yep. Yep. Is that worth doing? We
1: do it weekly for every single client because we want to keep the profile fresh and so that it understands that we want all the new features as soon as they come out.
3: And, and like, I think this is a double-edged sword because with limited resources, I like the idea of doing it. I get annoyed if it's not at the same time. The next slide we're on, this isn't making you money, the posts. It's cool to have it. It should be there. If it's not there, you're not going to lose any money. We, we're out of time. We'll talk about it on the panel, but reviews are everything right now. So if you're choosing, literally, I had this decision. I have a person working on posts every day. I'm like, should I take that person off a day of posts and put them on a day of reviews? Reviews are the lifeblood of the firm and need to be focused on. And we'll talk about that on the panel. And, you know, if you have questions, I can geek out on this all day. I'm
1: available. I'll be at the baseball game. I love questions.
3: Yeah. So thank you so much, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, guys.
2: <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. <laughs> To stay in contact with your host and to access more content, content. go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.